Hello, 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 guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Mortgage Marketing Podcast. Got a real treat today. Very excited for today's episode. We're actually joined by Gary Das. So I've been trying to get Gary on the podcast for ages on this one. Gary has been on many of my podcasts before, um, but never actually this one. He's been in the diary for this one for a long time. But both of us have always had things come up in life. So, you know, all of a sudden, you know, like he's busy or I'm busy and we've had to cancel and rearrange multiple times. But we finally got together for this show, which I'm really excited for. You've got some real treats in this episode. Gary's going to break down um, what how what his advice is on how he scaled his business. So how he went from, you know, one man band into then growing it into, into a larger business and his advice on how you could do that. He also opens up and shares some home truths about his process, the way he looks at his life. He's had a real kind of reflection on the way, some of the things he's doing, which is really interesting. And he gets really open with us and shares some really um, vulnerable points. And I think that I I have to say for this interview, it was one of my favorite interviews I've done in a long time. So anyone who doesn't know who Gary Das is, Gary is a, a coach. He's a trainer. Um, you know, he is a business owner. He is one of the first people to do social media as a mortgage broker many years ago. He's been around the block a long time. And um, I think you're just going to get, I'm just going to get a real treat out of this interview. You really are. So without further ado, let's get into it. You're listening to the Mortgage Marketing Podcast with Ash Borland, the show that helps mortgage brokers create impact and income by mastering content marketing. Let's dive straight into it. Hey, Gary, mate. Welcome to the show. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, dude. Thank you for having me on. You're the OD to to all of this stuff, to all of the content marketing, social media, and the personal brand, really, in the mortgage services business. So it's really great to have you on. Now, you've transitioned and grown into so many different things over the years. You're not really doing the social media personal branding as much now. You're now building firms out, helping people scale and grow. How do mortgage brokers, one-man band businesses, one-woman one band businesses, how do they go from there to scaling a business and turning it into a real business? What's the first couple of steps that you see when you're working with advisors to make that shift? So to give people context as well, I went self-employed in 2006 got hit was specialized in adverse credit got hit by the credit crunch in 2009 built a life insurance business up until 2015 and then got into the world of mortgages once again when my bank said no to me so i went from a team of 15 with a business nearly doing a million quid back to me and my pa so i was that startup in 2016 so for those of you that are starting again i think one thing that i see consistently with advisors at the beginning of their journey is thinking that because they've gone self-employed, it's going to be easy. And in 2016, I did 12-hour days, six-day weeks, partly because we'd moved into a new house and my lifestyle was built on a, for argument's sake, 100 grand a year income, you know, and I'd gone back to zero. So I had no choice. Burn the boats, as they say. So I think you almost need to write off your first year as I'm all in. Like, you've got to be all in. You've got to do everything you can. And many of my advisors, particularly in my brokerage, have smashed their first year and hit that kind of 70 to 100 grand a year. And the things that they can do, which you want to write down, is leverage all the free and organic personal brand strategies that Ash tells you. Get out networking and meet people and sod giving business cards to those individuals because that will just go in the bin. Get them onto your social media where they will consistently see you posting content. Be consistent. The only things that matter in your first 12 months are leads and sales. 
If you are not doing one of those two things for 80% of your day, then you're doing your you're spinning plates and doing the wrong thing. Now, I didn't start focusing on system until 2018. You know, 16 was relearning the industry. It was posting on social media. It was doing video. It was gaining the confidence to do live video. 2017, I wrote my book. So I started to work more on assets that were actually going to be there for a lifetime like YouTube rather than actually the, the feed that we all now live in with social media. So I started building assets in 2017. 2018, I was like, oh my God, now I've got remortgages coming up. I need to think about process and systems and team because I need to be able to scale up. Consistently, what I see is the fear of taking somebody on. But the beauty of the financial services industry is the first three to six months are really hard work because the cash flow is not there. But once you get to six to 12 months, you're then at a point where you start to see cash flow being more consistent. And it's also predictable because you know what sales you've done over the last three months. So I tell everybody to monitor the sales, not the banked income, because one comes before two. And that then means that you can take on a PA and delegate 80% of the work, everything except initial phone conversation and protection selling and fact find. That's the only things an advisor needs to do. Everything else can be delegated. And taking on an administrator will then give you the opportunity to double your income. And that's step number one. And most people are able to achieve that within six to 12 months. And that's the first step to being a business owner, really, when you take on your first employee. I love that thing as well about sales like focusing on the sales, not the bank. I think that's something that I hear. It's not about what you write, it's about what you bank. And, and I hear that all the time. Input, output. How do you let go of those jobs? You've done everything and now all of a sudden you're bringing people in and then you might not think they do the job maybe as good as you or as fast as you. How did you overcome that specific thing of letting go? Yeah, it's just, you are so right in the sense of, I've been through that mindset as well. Like it is a mindset thing. No one can do it as good as me. What if I give that person my client and they F it up? All of those things go through your head. It's natural. They've gone through mine. And they're all voices in your head that keep you stuck. You know, that's the biggest thing. From 2016 till 2018, I was Gary Das Mortgage Broker. 2018, I knew I needed to bring on a first advisor. So I had to build a brand because at that point I realized, actually, if I want to delegate some cases or some leads, they're going to be coming thinking they need me. So in I started active mortgage as it was back then in, in July 2018. And then in the October, I took on a trainee advisor. And the way in which I did that was I dealt with all the new leads because they were the highest income and all the remortgages I gave to the trainee advisor to do because they were the lesser income. Now, I have this challenge with a lot of advisors who turn around and say, yeah, but they're my existing clients. I don't want to give them to that advisor. I'm sorry, but I believe that's a huge mistake because you need to be in charge of the new money that is ultimately coming in. In the same way, I've had this conversation just for just for give you an idea, but I get someone who's like, yeah, I've got these Google leads. They're really working. What I'm going to do is bring on someone else and I'm going to spend more money on Facebook ads and I'm going to give them the Facebook ads. No, your leads and sales conversions and the money you're making off the Google ads, give them the Google ads because you've got a KPI and a metric for, to monitor that person on. And you go and do the Facebook ads because you're then in control. But equally, if your existing new person is effing it up. The way in which I transitioned into that delegation is to split the roles down. So when you bring somebody new into the business, i.e. your first advisor, the key thing is not just to give them a laptop and a desk and say, crack on. 
The key thing that I did, which I did with Sally, who was an experienced advisor, ex-Barclays Compliance, managed 70 advisors, was I used to do all the first appointments and the strategy calls. And then I would be picking and choosing and saying, okay, my PA will give you a call in two days time to confirm you've got the email and answer any questions if I wanted to keep the lead. Or I'd be turning around and saying, right, Sally will give you a call in two days. And what she will do was work with you thereafter to get all the documentation in and she will look after it. That then gave me the opportunity to create more time because I didn't have to do the chasing of the documents, the fact find, the quotes, the illustration, et cetera. But also because we know clients are slow with returning documents, they you're able then to make sure that advisor is one adhering to the way in which you want it to be done. But two, you're in control of the fee, you're in control of the initial selling, but also the client doesn't have a problem because you've introduced them and they've also then built a rapport up with that advisor that you've referred to. How do you overcome delegation? You have really clear processes in your business and you systemize that process with your own CRM system. The network system is there to do compliance. It's not there to have stages, new lead, awaiting documents, fact find call, follow-up, AIP, application, underwriting, valuation, etc. It's not there to have automated emails and text message against each one of those tasks so that each one of those stages so that you know that your admin or your advisor is saying things and doing things in the way in which you want it done. So you also need the CRM because at any point I can log in today and I can see exactly where active leads are. I can click through them. I can read the notes. I know if there's a task on it or not. I've got automation rules set up in my system that something doesn't move from a particular stage for 30 days. It puts a task into my diary so I can go in and review it. And you just have to build tech and automation to remove your fears of delegation that clients aren't getting the service that they need. How much time have you spent, would you say, over the years you've been doing this on learning new software and upskilling yourself on being able to be at the cutting edge of these automations and stuff? How much time would you say do you invest in that? So... In 2018, when I wanted a CRM, I looked at Intelligent Office, Salesforce, got into contracts with them, got out of both of them because they weren't fit for purpose, which is which was quite good. I think Smarter might have just launched then, but it was very much in its early infancy. So I went with what is now Fanova, previously known as eKeeper. We still have that in the business. It's enabled us to scale. But here's the lesson with Fanova. We got that in the October 2018. We didn't start losing using the fact find until kind of the March side. From an organic perspective, as you and I will know, the quality of the lead for on organic is amazing. Uh, referrals, recommendations, organic networking, people know you. It's been amazing at managing my DA compliance and leads and sales at that point in time. But it's not going to get us to the next level, which is now where I'm starting to automate a lot of that lead generation to get 50 book calls consistently into the business. So I've actually got to bring in a new sales and marketing system which I'm in the process of developing. So to answer your question, I probably spent 10 to 15 hours learning and implementing eKeeper as well as the tweaks that we've made over the years. I've set up 27 other people's eKeepers as well, by the way. So I know that system pretty bloody well. And then even in both businesses, the Active Success and Active Financial, my two companies, crikey, I couldn't even tell you. Funnel, landing pages, Kajabi training portals, active campaign emails, MailChimp emails, HubSpot for a period of time where I was testing that. I am a bit of a tech lover. So it's like adult Lego. So I just, yeah, go down a rabbit hole. I'm always jealous of you with that because it, since the years that I've known you, whenever I see you or talk to you, you're always doing some sort of new automated, like it was Facebook ads was the first thing when, I, when you were first kicking around with it. And I 
as someone who's like ADHD and dyslexic, it's just no. I'm not. That's the hardest thing to do. And I and you notice it, the difference. You learn it eventually. You naturally have a good interest in that stuff, and you obviously seem very good at it. One thing that I'm in the process of doing at the moment is essentially one of the things I've come to realise within the communities and talking to a lot of advisors and training them, as I'm sure you do. There's a real challenge around implementation and tech, and all the mortgage CRM systems that are currently out there are good, but you've got the network system to deal with as well. And what's actually needed in this industry for everybody who's an AR is a marketing and sales system. So as part of our next level of growth, what I'm actually doing is white labeling a piece of software where it has on the front end, social media posting, email marketing, I'm building into it, my funnels, my landing pages, It will have, you don't need Calendly because it has its own calendar booking system. It then has the kind of Trello pipe drive feel to it where you can move people through the state. I'm putting my emails in there and everything else. So I'm basically building it completely for my brokerage to automate, systemize and everything, the higher volume of leads that we want to use. But with the goal that we'll be able to offer that out as an active CRM software tool to to the rest of the industry effectively, but including the funnels, the email sequences and everything that you can either go in and amend those yourself or I'll have my team go in and do that for an extra cost, et cetera, as a bit of a setup fee and we'll brand rebrand it, relabel it, all that kind of jazz. So I feel that's part of one of those one of those things. We're entrepreneurs, so we find problems and then we try and solve them. I wanted to move on to some topics which is getting your time back. Because that's something that you have been really leaning into over the last 18 months. I've seen it all over your socials. Me and you spoke about it like privately and stuff. The narratives has shifted a lot with you. It seems to be very much like time, family, work-life balance, lifestyle business. What was the catalyst for that? I just wanted to quickly interrupt the show. I'm actually a big fan of Instagram and some of you will know this already. So if you are not following me on Instagram yet, please do. If you're a broker, follow me. It's at Ash and drop me a direct message. Tell me that you like the show. I mean, even just screenshot this and tag me into a stories and I'll give you a shout out and I'll follow you back because I love Instagram. I love to see what you guys are up to. I love to um, share extra content on there that's not inside these podcasts. And I, I do a lot on Instagram. So go and check out the Instagram there at Ash Borland. The link again is in the show notes. Now let's get back into the podcast. Well, in my first 10 years of business, one of the one of the big things that's always resonated was buying leads and paying £20,000 a month. When my first daughter was born in 2012, I was back to work three days after the, she was born because I had to. In 2016, I wanted to do things differently, but going down the rabbit hole of mentors and masterminds and the whole personal development journey and hanging around with people who had got 10, 20 million pound a year businesses with hundreds of staff, I thought for a long period of time that was what I wanted. And then on the 21st of July, 2021, my mum had to go in for an emergency bowel operation and that then brought on Alzheimer's and dementia. And on the 2nd of January, 2022, she was given 48 hours to live, but she actually had COVID at the time, but she hadn't been able to communicate since the early part of December. So from December, right the way through till April, when she passed, we just had to basically watch her vegetable. I couldn't be in the business. I wanted to be around my mum. I wanted to be there to help my dad and all that kind of stuff. And when my mum passed, we had the funeral a month later, then some family stuff in relation to the will and probate because I'm an executor and I will 100% honour my mum's wishes, which caused a few arguments and rows. And then obviously my baby turned up at 32 weeks in the 1st of December. So, you know, that sort of 18 months was the most emotional 18 months of my life. 
but it made me slow down. It made me stop for the first time ever, particularly when you first go self-employed. As I mentioned earlier, when you start out with a mindset in 2016 of I've got to make this work, I need to do nine till nine. I've always worked smart as well as hard, but I always have been, as I'm sure some of you are too, you're on a bit of a hamster wheel and it's it's constant and it's never ending. And the children never made me realize, you know, my mum is the first relative close to me that I've actually lost. And it just became that big thing of, I think also approaching 40, which was funnily enough, the week before my mum had her bowel operation. I'd just gone through this journey of this has been my first 40 years. What do I want for my next 40 years? Do I want to carry on being on this hamster wheel? Do I want to be constantly sprinting all day, every day? And ironically, I'd probably say since around about November, December, partly because of my coach that I work with, who's a mindset coach more than anything else, what she's helped me do is slow down in order to be able to speed up. And one of the things that I have actually learned, and I would urge everybody to do, if you spent the first two hours of your Monday working out what the actual highest priority activities are that you need to do that day and that week, and really just took time out and actually just sat there and thought, if I did nothing else, this week is going to be smashed. If I do these two or three things, I guarantee you would get so much more results rather than having a humongous to-do list where things just never seem to get ticked off or stuff is left unfinished because implementation and action is the only thing that moves you forward. And that's really what's transitioned and changed. I will build a 50 million pound a year business because I've come to realize that actually my journey is not 12 months long or 24 months long. My journey is 40 years long. And in realizing actually that there's no time pressure, we put that pressure upon ourselves and actually saying this is about the journey, not just the destination. And along that journey, I'm not going to miss sports day. I'm going to drop my kids off when I want to. I'm going to pick them up when I want to. We're going to go out for meals. We're going to have nice holidays. We're going to live a lifestyle that's supported by the business that I want to build or the businesses that I want to build, you actually start to realize, why are we only focusing on the next three, six, nine, 12 months? When you start to realize that it's a long game, not a short game, a sprinter can only sprint for 100 meters under 10 seconds, but a marathon runner can run 26 miles at 15, 16 kilometers an hour. You run on a treadmill for 15 kilometers an hour and see how long you can do it. I'm about two and a half minutes, and they do it yeah, for 26 miles. So. <laughs> It's put that into perspective. We treat, we, and it took me bloody years to realize this. I started my business in 2006 and we go into, we're great advisors and I've learned leadership and structures and systems and processes and we become business owners, but actually we're not taught how to build or run a business. And I've, I've had a great life over the course of the pandemic. It ran itself. The advisors are external, everything else, but now building the employed team out. I'm doing it in a way whereby at the moment I'm going through my short-term pain period is what I call it. I got rid of my operations manager. I've got a new PA who's now in her fourth week. I've got an advisor who joined me last week. We've got an event we're running next week. I've got training courses that I need to run and everything else. But by the time I get to 31st of July, I'll go on holiday for 10 days. I'll check my laptop for an hour every day and I will be on holiday. And when I come back, Everyone would have had a t- 10 days on their own and the thing will work and be efficient and I'll get some time back at that point in time. So short sprints along that journey of a marathon is what kind of transitioned and changed because life is the most important thing. I think you talking about it is important. People who've followed you for a long time, it's watching that transition 
and seeing it change and seeing your perspective change. It's really powerful. One more question I want to ask you about when you decided to make that shift, you had that catalyst. What were some of the obstacles that you faced at the beginning? Because that's a very, that's like an entire 180 on your entire philosophy of life. Like it's the content that you would put out and the message you put out was like, it was like someone else had written it. I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? This is so different to what I've ever seen from you before. What were some of those initial obstacles? What were some of the mental, actually physical? What were some of those things that you came up against when making that shift? It's a really difficult question, actually, Ash. One of the things that I did do, because I actually, when my mum was going, I was very unemotional and completely logical about the whole thing. So I've never actually shared this anywhere else, but I went through a serious, we've got the Priory, which is a major mental health hospital in Essex. So I actually went through the process of being tested. I thought I was ADHD, but actually it turns out I'm autistic and quite high on the spectrum as well. And I didn't realize a lot in my childhood, I used to spend a lot of time masking and all these things that I now realize and everything else. And that's why I'm so laser focused. I'm either in or out. I'm pretty socially awkward. I don't, as much as you see me on socials and all that kind of thing, I speak without thinking and do things without thought. I think one of the things that kind of happened was when I was going through that process, I actually just stayed true to what I think is really important, which is we only get one body, we only get one mind. And if you get the mental and the physical right, then everything else begins to take care of itself. So I still stuck to my routines of the gym every day at six o'clock in the morning. I still went for my walks. I still ate good food. I drank lots of water. I don't really drink because it's it's a depressant. I still spoke to a few friends and said, hey, look, I was a shit friend when you lost your parent because I'm going through it right now and I had no idea what you went through and I should have phoned you more. And that I did all those kind of things to, to reconnect, to realize, although I am massively socially awkward in most instances and my head never stops internally, constantly worrying and stressing and everything else, it just became a process of uh, fundamentally, we do these things for our why, which is, yes, we want to help our clients. Yes, we want to live a certain lifestyle. But fundamentally, I want my kids to grow up and know that their dad was around. So it was just a case of probably anything that people have seen in my journey. Whatever's happening at that point in time is the best thing since sliced bread. So much like the will writing business that got closed very quickly because it was shit. Much like the network idea that was a massive failure after eight months. And people don't want to be sold a network. They want to move when they've got a pain. But there's too much competition out there, I'm afraid. If you're thinking about starting a network, don't do it. And really actually looking at your business and saying, why did I start this thing? What do I want it to achieve? Who best can I help? And then just realigning. To, you need to realign to that every year because otherwise you make decisions based on emotion rather than based on logic. And without a strategy or a design or some solid foundations, you can't grow in the right way. First of all, thank you for sharing that, opening up about that, because that's, like you say, it's the first time you've mentioned it. And then I think that's important. That's really funny with the two of us because I'm ADHD and I found that out only recently because my son, what's really interesting about me and you, we've known each other for a long time, but we're very different in the way that we approach things, like very different. And it's like the opposite ends of each side. That would make more sense. And But I, I like your idea of hyper-focus. You might have had these fails. We've all had them. I'm just as bad. And my wife gets so wound up about things when I'll come in and I'm like, this thing is going to change the world. This is the thing. And it's entrepreneurial it's like, brain, that is. Each one of those failures is also you fail forward. You do learn from that. And I think stuff like being ADHD, being autistic, they are gifts in their own way. There's a reason why there's only one of you when there's loads of advisors. That's the bit I can never understand. Why can't people seem to see the thing I can see? And yeah. I think that 
is it sheds a bit of light on it for both, to be honest. I think that's a really important thing. And I think we both ended up, funnily enough, back at a similar point, but at the but in different ways. It's quite interesting. Mate, I really love that. It's been one of my favorite interviews you've done. You've opened up. If people want to learn more about you, they want to work with you, where's the best place for them to go? I'm on all social media channels at Gary Das. I've got my own website, which is garydas.com, which has got more information on it. My podcast is there. My YouTube channel's there. Yeah, just come find me and send me a DM if you like this episode and make sure that for Ash's benefit, you share this episode because it is freaking hard to run these free youtube channels and free podcasts and the time and energy and effort that goes into it is to be consistent for as long as you had is one that people need to realize how tough that is so to to share that thank you so much for coming on the show it's been a real pardon the interruption but we wanted to make sure that you follow ash on instagram for exclusive and behind the scenes content now back to the show so <clears throat> there we have it. That was the interview. I'll shut my door now. I've got my door open. <laughs> that was the interview. And um, just a treat. I mean, I, I, I love, like you say, Gary sharing his uh, being very open about his autism, which I think is really important because I think it, um, I think that that to me really floored me. I, w- I was really taken back by it. And, and, I've, and, it, and it really uh, probably made me, um, I don't know about you guys, but for myself, it was, it was really moving. I think that he um, he's he's very good and he's a credit to the industry. Gary is. He does a lot of work. He needs a lot of stuff here. And I think I loved how he was open about the failures that we have. Um, you know, it's hard. I can say from first-hand experience, you know, me and Gary go way back. We were one of the first people in this industry to do videos in the, in the mortgage industry. And it's very public. And when things don't work out the way you want, you are doing it in front of lots of people who are judging you who would never have done the things anyway. And um, when we were started, there was not many of us, a handful. He was the main guy and then there was like me and a couple of others. And so those failures, like he addresses, like I, I, I love it. I couldn't, I, I was really, not couldn't believe it, I could believe it, but I was very humbled that he was willing to talk about the type of stuff on the show and share it with you, with the audience so that you're amazing brokers who listen to this. And there'll be crossovers. I know some of you work with Gary and I think that's great, but I think it was a real powerful thing to share. So I am, um, I hope you enjoyed the show. I think it's a really good takeaway. One thing I'd love to take away with it though, is definitely um, this idea of focusing on what's important to you. I actually did a podcast episode, which I'm going to be putting out soon about this for myself, which was like how I define my goals and how I define what's important to me and how I break that down because I think it's more, it's important. I get asked it a lot. So I think Gary's, the way that Gary approached it, and talked about how he looked around and saw all these other people who were successful, but not really in the way he wanted. That takes some big awareness. That's that's some hard hard stuff to do. And so I really think um, you could take a lot away from that for sure. So that was my that's my takeaway from today's episode. Anyway, guys, have a wonderful time, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye. You've been listening to the Mortgage Marketing Podcast with Ash Borland. If you've enjoyed the show, then be sure to leave a review and share it with a friend right now.